first time. Lovely touch from Guru. Right in. What about the finish? Outstanding from Chelsea. Oh, now then, that might be a penalty. It is. Little John of Wrighton. No problem for Vanilla Harder. Chelsea two up. We've not played for half an hour yet. Any, but she's teed it up for Wrighton, who slashes in the third and surely sends Chelsea through to round five. What's up, Blues fans? Brandon London here, and I have to welcome you to another episode of Chelsea Mic'd Up. We are the official Chelsea FC podcast. After fighting out a, a snowstorm, Brandon London coming to you here from New York City. And I got the gang with me. It's true. I'm Emily. I'm here in Chicago. It's always snowy here, Brandon. We don't freak <laughs> out, though. And I'm uh, Andre. I'm in the DMV. Still a little bit of snow on the ground. I hate snow, so I want it all to go away. And I'm Lee here in London. The kids love snow. Me, mm, not so much. It's chilly, but it's sunny, so it's all good. Well, it's funny you talk about the kids because gather around, kids, <laughs> because on this episode of Chelsea Mic'd Up, it's story time. Lee's going to teach us all about the Club World Cup. And we have to talk about the women who had a crucial matchup against City after smashing Aston Villa in the FA Cup. Of course, we got to discuss that. Plus, we have a very special guest on this episode. We'll first be chatting with New Orleans supporters group Carefree Louisiana about their Club World Cup festivities. And then the man of the hour, Kappa, is going to join us. I'm going to pitch him the best commercial idea ever. You're not going to want to miss this episode. So let's go blues. As I mentioned every single episode, guys, we're the official Chelsea FC podcast. And one of the things that makes us so unique and so official is that we have boots on the ground out there in London. So Lee, kick us off. Should we talk about the Club World Cup then? Yeah. I, for one, am looking forward to it. I don't know about you guys, really looking forward to it. It's a first for me, a first for so many of the players, first for Thomas Tuchel as well. And it's it's a fascinating tournament. And it's one that's, I guess, still in its relative infancy, really. I mean, it started back in 2000. So this will be the, actually, there's a bit of a gap there. So this will be the, the 18th time the competition has been held. I guess in simple terms, it's kind of the Champions League winners of Europe and plus the equivalent from the other confederations around the world. So what we'll see is seven teams that will join up over in Abu Dhabi. They'll join the competition at different stages. The winners of the European Champions League, so Chelsea, and also the equivalent from South America. So in this case, the Brazilian side, Palmeiras, they'll join at the semi-final stage. If all goes to plan, it'll be a Chelsea-Palmeiras final. If uh, form is anything to, to go by, but obviously not taking anything for granted. I guess you could almost say that in previous years that it wasn't a competition as high on the European agenda as maybe other parts of the world, but that has certainly, certainly changed in recent times. Bayern Munich won it last year. In fact, European champions have won it the last eight occasions, including Liverpool in 2019. And hey, if Liverpool can do it, Chelsea certainly can. Real Madrid have won it a record four times in that. Period. Chelsea been there before, beat Monterey in the semi-final in 2012, but lost 1-0 to Corinthians in the final. Cesar Azpilicueta came off the bench for that, a certain Petr Cech in goal for Chelsea. Azpi, I know, is one of those players who would love dearly to win this competition. It would be, a, I guess it would complete a trophy grand slam for the captain. It's the one piece of silverware that he's never got his hands on, so it's big for him. Big for Thomas Tuchel as well. I mean, it's something that he would dearly love to win. He loves silverware, doesn't he? As we've uh, we've learned in recent months, a big opportunity and 
as well as that, there's an opportunity there for the players to enjoy a bit of winter sunshine as well. So what isn't to love, Emily? No, there's so much to love. And I love what you said, though, that Thomas Tuchel wants to win it. And I just love this mm. mindset. Like, this might not be the one tournament that all fans have circled, but anytime there's a chance to bring home a trophy, they want to do it as a club. And if you think about it, we're celebrating one year of Thomas Tuchel. This could be his third title with the club, which is crazy. I personally think it couldn't come at a better time for us. I mean, if you think about where we are in the Premier League, we had this very unfortunate situation where we had a lot of guys with COVID, but no COVID postponements. So we've played 24 of our 38 Premier League matches, which is the most of anyone. It was a really grueling stretch. All the guys got some time off. We come back now. Maybe we welcome back a Reese James. You're in Abu Dhabi. You're in the sunshine. Like, I don't know. I just think everything's coming together. It's funny because uh, Lee was mentioning first, you know, first for some players, you know, first, uh, you know, for Thomas Tuchel in the in the Club World Cup. And uh, honestly, I'm going to I'm going to put myself out there. First time I'm actually caring about this competition. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm being honest, like I do think it is going to be quite interesting, to be honest with you. I, I like the fact that you get to see so many different styles. You know, football is such an interesting thing and there are so many different ways and that can be played. And we're going to get to see some of that. You know, some of it, well, because of Chelsea's talent, you may expect that. But I also would say don't don't underestimate other teams around the world and, and, the, and the way they may play, the way may, they may set up. So it's going to be an interesting competition, fully obviously expecting us to win it. But, you know, like contradicting what I just said. Uh, but yeah, I absolutely am looking forward to this. I think it's going to be a very interesting competition. And uh, like Emily said, probably something the players need. Get away from a little bit, uh, get away from things a little bit, be able to play football in a little bit of a different competition, something exciting, different location. Sounds good. I'm ready. It gives us a different look on the game and the X's and the O's and the Y's. You know, because like you said, there's different styles of play, I guess. When you're talking soccer, you're you're talking about the differences in leagues. Like, I guess people or the teams in La Liga play different than the teams in the Premier League. Bundesliga teams play at a different pace. And Lee, you mentioned Chelsea possibly facing a Brazilian team. Like we've got to get through the semifinal. Yeah? And as we're recording this, we don't know who we're going to be facing at the semifinal stage. That's still to be determined, but it's likely to be a team from the Middle East. And then it'll be through to hopefully the final. And if Palmeiras can navigate their way through their respective semifinal, then yeah, it'll be a, an England-Brazil final a week on Saturday. Well, it's funny you mentioned that because yesterday I watched Goal TV. David Luiz is playing for Flamingo, who they were playing Palmeiras in, in a match. So... I'm sitting here watching former Chelsea player David Luiz, and I'm looking at these two Brazilian teams, not knowing that Palmeiras has a chance of playing Chelsea. So it's like it's like when 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 Chelsea plays uh, these international matches versus different clubs, whether it's for uh, Europa or or it's for Champions League, we learn about rising club teams, and we learn about rising stars on other teams who could end up on Chelsea or end up as a foe on another team in the Premier League. No, absolutely. We could well have faced David Luiz as well, which would have been a nice story, wouldn't it? But his side lost out to Palmeiras, hence Palmeiras go through to the Club World Cup. But no, that would have been a lovely reunion, that would have a chance great, to catch yeah. up with an old friend. But yeah, it'll be a big test. It always is. I mean, again, I'm not jumping the gun here, but if it is Palmeiras in the final, it's, it's going to be a stiff test, isn't it? Like you rightly said, Brandon, contrast of styles. You know, it'll be a fascinating matchup. The crowd should be something special. The weather will be great, great setting fantastic competition to take part in and, and hopefully win as well. I'm going to pull a brand in here. I want to hear AO right now. Give me Andre's opinion. Cause Andre, I understand you've got a take on this club world cup though. I do. And not, not on the present competition, but this is something that I've been 
wanting for years on the women's side. The women's game needs a Club World Cup. The NWSL is a very different league in the MLS. It's, the NWSL is on a different level, I think. The NWSL is one of the top women's leagues in the world. And just the idea of NWSL teams playing against Bayern Munich, playing against Lyon, playing against Barcelona, you know, we saw some come over playing against Chelsea, of course. But my heart may, may, may have some problems in those matches. But, you know, we've seen in preseason tournaments some European teams come over and, and put on some great matches. And again, talk about contrast of styles. The way that American soccer is played, particularly American women's soccer, is just, it's so athletic. And for teams that like to control the ball, they're not allowed, they're not given the space, to the, the time to do so. I really think that a club World Cup, like a legitimate, probably like month-long competition, I mean, almost treat it like a World Cup, uh, but, but a club World Cup. I think it would be absolutely incredible. It would probably be the biggest women's competition on the planet because I think it is so intriguing. So many very, very talented teams out there, so many talented players. And you get to, of course, teams from America, teams from different countries in Europe and everything. You put, put them all together. Even uh, the, the league in Mexico, Liga MX Femenil, is, is growing and getting big. So I just think this would be like a huge thing for domestic women's football, and I want to. And there's your pitch to FIFA. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Let's talk about the women then, shall we? Great to see them back again at the weekend. Another big win, Andre, against, we, we mentioned it, didn't we, last week? They were going to be tough opposition, big competition, such an important one for the men's and the women's team. But, you know, another very, very impressive display from Emma Hayes' side, wasn't it? Yeah, it was a very interesting match because, honestly, I don't think the scoreline really shows how the match went. I think Jill Scott, who just arrived on loan from Manchester City, did a really good job. I mean, she was basically hopped straight into the first team and did such a good job of directing the team. I also think Chelsea, you know, clearly had a lot of players that hadn't played a lot. Some players playing in different positions. You know, uh, Abdelina, our new signing, got in and not not at left back. I believe she was, it was seemed like a 4-4-2 formation. She was a left midfielder. She was backed up by John Anderson as a left back. So very, very different formation from what we've been playing this season. And the passing combinations weren't really there. Aston Villa did a really good job of pressing and kind of being anno annoying in a lot of ways in terms of being able to keep the ball. But go right. You just love to see a player like her step up. I mean, she's directly contributed to all three goals, scored two, won the penalty for Penilla Hart of a take and score, ended up getting three goals. You know, Aston Villa got a goal in like deep in spot stoppage. I think it was the 95th minute. So it was really just a complete win that if you look at the, if you watch the game and you don't really pay attention to the scoreline, you're like, wow. But Guro did one of those things where we have kind of a thing that we, a kind of a throwback Chelsea performance, right? Like we haven't seen a player on the Chelsea team, we know they're talented enough to do this, but a player just says, I'm going to get the ball in the back of the net, and they do it. Guru was the one. I didn't necessarily anticipate that. She's excellent, but I didn't anticipate her kind of going off for two goals and winning the penalty. So I love that and made what was and what could have been a very tough match look pretty easy. Andre, I think you hit on the most interesting and most important point to me, which is the final score here. They always say in hockey, they don't ask how, they just ask how many. And we scored three goals. And in my short time supporting the women, I mean, offense has never been an issue, but in the last couple of weeks, it feels like there's just this anxiety about scoring. And for whatever reason, we just haven't gotten the, I want to say puck in the back of the net, the ball in the back of the net <laughs> as much as we shut up. And so just to see that sigh of relief, like, okay, we can put balls back there is great. And then the other big thing that happened in this match is Lauren James uh, came off the bench, scored a goal. And I feel like we're in the phases of the Lauren James unveil. Like stage one was the hype and anticipation and man, that lasted a really long time for me. 
We're now in stage two where she can come off the bench and be a contributor, which I think is such an important phase because it just shows our depth. And then once Emma Hayes feels comfortable with her working her to the starting rotation, she's going to work and get that chemistry with those top players. And oh, stage three is going to be fun. It's something I'd just like to sort of pick up on that, that Andre said there when talking about Abdelina playing sort of in a position maybe that she wasn't totally used to. But versatility and flexibility, especially in the women's game, just seems to be more and more important. We spoke to Erin Cuthbert, didn't we, last week? And she said, well, you know, she started as a number six when she first came to Chelsea. Then she was playing up front and then she's in mid. So there is a certain amount of adaptability. It's pretty fun. I mean, watching Erin Cuthbert's role, there were some times where I was like, I don't know what role she's playing. She's kind of there where she needs to be. So sometimes she's playing almost as like a wingback or she's kind of like a right midfielder. Sometimes she's in central midfield and she's just, to me, she's always been one of those players who is like her position is baller. You just put her on the pitch and tell her to go ball. And that's what she does. I want to say that it's the Chelsea mic'd up bump, but honestly, hasn't she been the best player on the team for the last several weeks now? She's just standing out in so many ways. Well, yeah, but don't step on the bump. It was still us. Okay, it's a bump. You know, <laughs> we still did it. And then it soared after that. There we go, yeah. Whilst we're talking about impressive young players, can we just have a moment to talk about the under-18s yeah. who were phenomenal? I love the FA Youth Cup. It's just one of my favourite competitions because brilliant knockout football. These young lads that just really love the football. You see games that are just end-to-end and it's fantastic. And for this group of youngsters to go to Liverpool on a cold night, it was 3-0 after 70 minutes. And you think, game over, not a chance. For them to turn it around and win 4-3 in stoppage time was just fantastic. I mean, players that we've spoken about on the podcast involved Jude Suntat Bell scoring, Charlie Webster, who have been in and around the, the first team group. I mean, that experience is going to be key for them. Lewis Hall obviously played. One of your favourites, Emily. My all-time favourite would jump exactly, in front of for that Exactly, exactly. But it gave me flashbacks. It took me back to, like I think, it's 2012 because Chelsea have, have got such a rich in the recent history in this competition, winning it so regularly. Uh, seven times in nine years between 2010 through to 2018. That campaign in 2012, any of the listeners that may remember it, it was like Nathaniel Chalaber was in the team and they went to Nottingham Forest. And again, 3-0 down, dead and buried, 1-4-3. And these are the types of things. And it's just, it's thrilling. It's brilliant. If you've not had a chance to watch Youth Cup football, I recommend it. The next round for these boys will will be at Stamford Bridge. So there's something to look forward to for them. Fantastic stuff. I'm curious because I didn't get to watch this match. Mm. Like, what? Paul gets that experience with the big club and he's practicing with them and everyone, you know, all the attention's on him. And then he comes down and plays more with his peers in his age group. Like, do you notice the difference in A, the way he plays and B, the way the other team marks him or gives him attention? It's a good question. It's a very good question. I think it, I think the academy that we've spoken about, the academy and the work they do on and off the pitch, they're so good at keeping these boys grounded and humble. And if they do get the opportunity to step up and train and, and, and even play with, with the men's team, fantastic. But so many of them just love playing. Like Callum Hudson-Odoi did exactly the same thing. He had his first experience within the first team group a few years ago, but then would play the FA Youth Cup. We've seen players like Mason Mount with Ruben Loftus-Cheek. Jordan Houghton, who's going to come back with Plymouth to uh, to Chelsea for the FA Cup game. I know we're going to talk about that later. It'd be lovely to see him back at the bridge. He and Ruben Loftus-Cheek won Youth Cup after Youth Cup playing together in, in the midfield. So many players just absolutely love playing in this competition. I think it's a very good point, Emily. And I think the character and, and the, the belief comes with that, you know, and, and there isn't such an element of trust put into these boys at such a young age. But this is a competition that, like I said, Going back to when Dermot Drummy was in charge of the under-18s through to recent times, it's, it's something that the club takes so very seriously. 
they won it five times on the spin, which equaled a record set by Manchester United, the famous Manchester United Academy teams of the 1950s. So that kind of puts it into context as well. So it's, yes, yeah, it's, it's always something very important, something hugely treasured by everyone that works throughout the, the Chelsea Academy. And uh, long may this run continue. Great stuff. And they did something that I really appreciate. And that's just when we play a team that's a rival, I just love when you do something that just completely destroys their entire morale. Yeah. Talk about disrespectful. They went up 3-0 in the 59th <laughs> minute. Chelsea scored in the 70th, the 77th, the 87th, and then held it. This is what I love. Held it, waited for it, basically the last kick of the game. Fifth minute in stoppage time, score the winner. It's amazing. I absolutely love when you do that to a rival. It made me so happy. Thanks for drawing out the drama in that because I feel like we weren't fully wrapping our head around how epic that finish was. I closed my eyes and the way he hit the minute numbers, he was like 77. (laughs) I was like, oh my God. Congrats to the Chelsea women and the Chelsea youth. It's time to look ahead and make some predictions for all the cup competitions. Plus, we chat with Carefree Louisiana and the man of the hour, Keppa. Coming up, stay tuned. Let's make some predictions. We got FA Cup action coming up. Chelsea versus Plymouth. It'll be an interesting tie, you know, Plymouth coming to the bridge. And like I said, it'd be lovely to see Jordan Houghton, who's always really popular in and around the club. Did such a good job coming through the ranks, through the academy, and he's done really well playing in a very competitive League One. So, yeah, top man, top midfielder. Great to see him. be an interesting proposition. League One is a difficult, difficult league. They're pushing for promotion, currently seventh. They'll be looking forward to a game like this. And it's one of those similar with Chesterfield. They've got, they come into it with nothing to lose. All the pressure in games like this is on Chelsea to do the job. Hopefully another opportunity to see one or two of the youngsters, but the more experienced players will also be very well rested, having had a week off. They then fly out to Abu Dhabi after the game. So it's the early kickoff at Stamford Bridge, 12.30. And then we fly to Abu Dhabi late Saturday night, arriving over their Sunday morning. Let's hope they go out there with a win. As I mentioned earlier, this is such an important competition for everybody around the club. Eight-time winners, you know, they want another run deep into this competition. Let's not take it for granted. Let's not take them lightly. Let's make it comfortable, hopefully. Early goal. Let's go 3-0. That's it? 3-0? Yeah, let's not... <laughs> what do you mean, that's Please, it? Let's be professional on, and respectful. Three is a lot. I get it, but I'm not... <laughs> I am not about to be as respectful as you. Sorry, Andre. Sorry, Emily. I got to jump in real. It's going to be seven. It's going to be a touchdown score. It's going to be oh my God. seven zero. The Chelsea Rams. It's going to be a football score, ladies and gentlemen. I want your bravado right now, but it's a Monday as we're recording this, and I just don't have it. <laughs> Lee said it. I mean, they're a team, too. They're professionals, too. They've got a lot to play for. They haven't played Chelsea since 1989. Don't you think they're getting up in that locker room saying, we're playing the Chelsea Blues for the first time since a lot of you guys have been alive. Like, let's go out there and storm an upset. So, I like 2-0. I think we get the job done, but I think it's a little more conservative than you think, Brandon. 2-0. You guys, oh my God. Win's a win. They don't hey, ask how. Hey, I've been waiting for this. Hey, Andre, what's your AO, Andre? You, your you AO? know what? I'm not as confident as Brandon. <laughs> 7-0 is outrageous to predict, uh, to be honest. Like, I hope it happens, but that is why. But I do think it'll be a, a big win. My prediction, in a prediction, 
is that I do think somebody, I don't know who, I think somebody's going to score a hat trick. So I'm going for it. So hopefully nobody from Plymouth is going to listen to this episode because they, they just might go out there with a little bit more intensity. It's interesting. I was reading an interview with Jordan Houghton and he was, he was saying that when the, the draw was made he was in a restaurant with his wife, Harley, they had like earpieces in listening to the draw. And he said that he had it on a slight delay. So all of a sudden, because you're getting all these texts coming through and he's like, oh, we've got someone big. And then when they, when they announced it was Chelsea, they both celebrated in the, in the middle of this restaurant. So everyone they were crazy it's gonna be a great occasion for him and for the rest of the for the club it is it, it sounds a bit cliched but it becomes a cup final for them doesn't it to come to somewhere like chelsea and again they have, they have nothing to lose so this is what the fa cup's all about the romance of it good luck to chelsea good luck to plymouth can't wait to watch that match all right let's move on to the club world cup at this time of recording we don't know who we're going to play so let's just throw out some general hypotheticals out there. Hypothetically, everything goes according to plan and we come home with more hardware. What's okay. wrong with that? Hypothetically, I'm going to go with what Emily said. <laughs> How many goals, Brandon? 24, 24 nil? What are you thinking? <laughs> but, I mean, if we play the Brazilian team, that one's going to be tough. A lot of speed and athleticism on that team. I would say 3-1. Chelsea, I think they get a goal in there, 3-1. I'll just throw that one prediction out there because, like I said, we don't know who we're playing yet, but mm -hmm. Chelsea's going to win. And speaking of the Club World Cup, Lee and I had the honor to sit down with Carefree Louisiana, who are hosting a Club World Cup watch party. Y'all know I love me a watch party. And much more next weekend. Take a listen. Dylan, Roy, first of all, a huge warm welcome to the Chelsea Mic'd Up podcast. It's great to have you both. Dylan, if I can start with you first, my friend, tell us a bit more about Carefree Louisiana and, and how it all got up and running. Carefree Louisiana officially got started this year. Back in 2013, uh, my co-founder Ben Landry and I met together at a pub in New Orleans and had the idea of getting something bigger going. He had something slightly going in Baton Rouge, but it didn't quite come to come to fruition because of just lack of resources and people. Fast forward a couple years after being at our pub in New Orleans, we started to assemble a group of 10 and 15 regulars that were really serious about Chelsea and wanted to do something bigger. Then comes Roy, my top guy here in New Orleans and, and, and chapter president, who lit a fire underneath all of us to get something going. And next thing you know, we have formed a coalition. We've got three chapters. We've got 65 dues paying members on paper. If you'd have told me a year ago that this was possible, I wouldn't have believed it. What's it like for you guys supporting Chelsea here in the United States? When I started following the club seriously and late 90s, early 2000s. People didn't know who Chelsea was. Everyone knew who Liverpool and Arsenal and United were, but people didn't know who we were. And that was kind of the appeal, the underdogs that can write their own history. It's been a slow build in New Orleans. It's been a slow build in the States. The pubs have gotten bigger. The crowds have gotten bigger. Now, some of that has come with the winning, but some of that has also come with just the imagination and the panache and the flair that Chelsea has that is unique amongst any football club in the world, I would say. You guys are down in New Orleans, Creole, Crawfish, Saints football. Those are three things that Lee Parker hasn't experienced yet. <laughs> He also has an experience, Mardi Gras. Explain Mardi Gras to Lee Parker, please. Mardi Gras is precursor to the Lenten season down here in New Orleans. It's weeks of debauchery, family time, parades, a marathon, if you will, of drinking, eating, not sleeping. We, we joke and say it's a marathon and not a sprint. I can't think of a better way to describe it than get yourself to New Orleans, experience something that we think is normal. To the average person coming down to New Orleans, they're not gonna know what they're seeing. Roy, you wanna expand a little? 
It's just got soul and Mardi Gras, as Dylan said, it really is a marathon. We realized that it goes hand in hand with that sort of legendary Chelsea away day experience. Let's get people down here for something unique. Let's get people down here, particularly those of us in the United States, where if you live in a place like Madison, Wisconsin, it's a lot easier to fly down to New Orleans for a weekend than it is to fly to London. So if you're looking for the next best thing, we realized hey let's let's create an experience for us stateside that can show our love for the club and what this city's all about for the uh, tourist board you've done a brilliant job i'm on my way you guys have alluded to it already tell us about this watch party around the club world cup and, and what fans can expect from that on friday evening we have partnered with one of the breweries in town urban south we're going to be there from six to nine in the evening to just have a meet and greet with not only the local crew, but the people that are coming in. We got visitors from coast to coast that are coming in for this event. Urban South has agreed to partner with us and release a special edition 16-ounce can with the Chelsea-themed label. With the sort of marathon spirit of Mardi Gras, I would imagine, at least speaking for the New Orleans crew, we'll probably be continuing the evening after we leave Urban South, heading either out into the French Quarter or out into the Marigny would be my guess. I'm hoping that not everyone will continue the evening too long because we've got a pretty early start on Saturday morning. God willing, we'll uh, be playing the 10:30 game in America as opposed to the 7:30 game. Obviously, the 7:30 game is if we only make the third place in the Club World Cup, but if we make the final, the game is going to start at 10:30. So we're going to be meeting as a group collectively on the outside of the French Quarter, uh, right in the at the gateway entrance to Louis Armstrong Park. Right now we have about 100 people from 16 different chapters nationwide coming down. So I'm asking everybody who is coming, who's already registered, who's not registered yet, bring your chapter scarves, bring your chapter flags. I want this to reminisce of going from the pub to the actual stadium in London, except I want it to be a louder version. From Louis Armstrong Park, we're gonna go to Jackson Square, take a picture, and then we're going to head to American Sports Saloon. They're going to be cooking crawfish for anybody who's coming to the event. So not only are you going to have the chance to watch the game, cheer and chant with everybody from across the country, you're going to have a chance to experience something Louisiana, something local that, you know, only people here get to have. Sounds amazing. I mean, I'm tempted to fly in from Abu Dhabi for this because this is going to be something <laughs> very special. Guys, it's been a real pleasure and thank you so much. I know it's been such an early start for you guys. So thank you so much and good luck with the weekend. And, and hopefully we get to meet up in person at some point soon. Great, Brandon, to speak to those guys. So passionate, and I, for one, want them to send a couple of those 16-ounce beer cans my way. Good luck, guys. Enjoy the watch party. Enjoy the Club World Cup. We certainly will be as well. And we got to get Lee down to Mardi Gras. Done. That is on the bucket oh, list. Oh, yes. Let's get back to these predictions. The women take on Man City. Feels like a big week, doesn't it, for the women? Man City and Arsenal in the space of a week. It's going to be one of those pivotal weeks in the title race. Man City looking resurgent. It's going to be a massive game at Kings Meadow. One to look forward to. I'll be there. I can't wait for that one. It's going to be tight. I think there'll be goals for both. Uh, I'm going to go 3-2 Chelsea. Ooh, okay. This is <laughs> this is the week, right? This is basically the week of the WSL. Chelsea's either going to be able to pick up enough points to get back to the top of the table, or we're going to be in a fight. And we're going to hope one of the teams drops points at some point during the rest of the season. So this is huge. I'm pre-nervous. I'm super nervous <laughs> about this week. I love the fact that we got a couple wins under our belt. We really needed that. Performance from Google Wrights, and as we talked about, stepping up scoring goals, getting in positions, you know, win a penalty, 
playing really well despite the overall team performance not being what we're used to seeing from Chelsea. But these two matches are going to be huge. Got to get three points from them. And I think we're going to do it against Manchester City. I think it's going to be close, though, 2-1. I mean, how competitive is this league where Man oh. City is fifth place and they have a plus 10 goal differential? <laughs> it's wild. I know they're coming off a big 7-0 win over Nottingham Forest, but still, wild. I think this one's going to be close. I think that the goal scoring we showed in that last game is predictive of more offensive success. So 3-2 sounds pretty good. Maybe 4-2. We kick one in an extra time. Get a little flair there. I was going to go 2-2 with this one. Only because Sam Kerr is not going to be there as she's still with the Women's Asia Cup. Wait, is she? she? Well, they lost. They lost to South Korea. So, gee won't be there but basically whenever she lands in london emma puts her in the starting 11 so she might be but get changed on the plane well in that case i'm gonna stick with 2-2 because she might be jet lagged how strong city can be and i understand chelsea we need these points like you said andre to get back at the table but it's a strong squad like this i just it's hard to predict these matches when it comes to playing against top tier talent in the women's super league. I'm just no good at it. So I'm gonna go with two, two, but you all at home and you all who are listening can put your powers of prediction to the test with the play predictor on the fifth stand app. Say that five times. You'll be added to a leaderboard every game you play and you can compete for the top spot with Chelsea fans. So go download the fifth stand app and play play predictor. And I have to tip my hat to uh, my co-host with great predictions for the Chelsea men and Chelsea women. Coming up, Keppa, the man of the hour. Stay tuned. Now it's time to shut up because this is the moment you've all been waiting for. We've got our chat with Keppa and it's coming up now. Kepa, first of all, great to see you, my friend. Thank you so much for taking the time to speak with us. It's amazing to think, isn't it? This year will be four years since you, you joined the club. It's gone so quickly and it's it's been quite the journey for you, hasn't it? Hello, hello, everybody. Yeah, it's crazy. It's already fourth year for me here in Chelsea. Lovely story. I know. It starts in the good way. Then we have like some difficult moment also with COVID, also with for everyone. I enjoy all the all this time. Was good time with uh, good people, and I think we achieve uh, very good very good things in this this fourth year. Man, I have to ask because we always talk here about the hashtag more than the athlete. And, you know, you signed and you've been playing since you were 10 years old. What kind of things can you see yourself getting into life after football? After football. Whoa. You got a long Whoa. time. You got a long time. You're going to play like Gigi yeah. You're going to play for a long time. Yeah, hopefully. Hopefully I have a long time. But yeah. I think uh, I will I will do something about football, something around football, something. I don't know if I want to be like a coach or I don't know, a goalkeeper coach, or maybe that point, 10 years later, I say, okay, finish football. At this point, I'm I, I going to say something around football. I, I have not clear. We will see. But uh, I like too much football. I like uh, watch football. I like uh, kids playing football. I like uh, everything around it. At this point, I will say something around football for sure. You can come and work in the media with us. You could do my job. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe. You never know. You never know. <laughs> I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. You've got so much to look forward to and, and such a career that you've already enjoyed and so much ahead of you as well. I have to talk to you about penalties. I know we've spoken about it before. It is such an incredible ability that you have. What is your secret when it comes to saving penalties? Can you tell us? Well, it's lovely story. Since I was a kid, 
I like the penalties. I feel very well the, that situation. So I want to say I have not one secret. It's like mix of uh, confidence. It's a mix of uh, study of the shooters. It's about uh, mental strength. I don't know which is the, the secret, but it's about all of this. When penalties uh, are coming, I feel like uh, myself, like confidence. I, it's like my moment to help the team, to try to win it. And I felt that since long, long time ago. So I don't know which is the secret, but it's a lovely story. That type of confidence, though, breeds your legacy, breeds, like turns you into a legend because what you've done you know, you're going to be in the books forever. And like here on the Chelsea Mic'd Up podcast, we're always thinking of like different endorsements and pitching Netflix ideas. So since under pressure, you come up big with the penalty saves. I got an endorsement idea in Spain. You need to do have your own deodorant commercial and picture this. Here's the commercial. It's a penalty kick, big game, big crowd, going crazy. You're in the goal. Play with your gloves. You know, you got some nice, cool gloves. You got a nice little yellow shirt on and all. You're looking fly out there. Really wavy, really wavy. And then, boom, they kick it. You make the save under pressure. And then, boom, you hold up the de deodorant. And they say, boom, Keppa, he never sweats us. You see <laughs> what I'm saying with that? Under pressure with to say you can have that you your team your uh, pr team can have that man it's good it's good of course of course it's it's good have a uh, that feeling have a this history with penalties at some point the most important thing is win for your team for your teammates because the penalties games after 120 minutes after hard work it's good for everyone arrive to penalties and win have this this feeling that yes we did it which makes me like uh, be proud man i'm definitely going to buy that deodorant bro I'm definitely, definitely <laughs> like I said, those are legacy moments like LeBron James and Tom Brady. And speaking of Tom Brady here in America, we've got our own American football. We're in the playoffs. Have you been keeping up with the playoffs? Are there any players you're rooting for? Or what's your favorite NFL team? NFL, well, uh, I have not one team. I saw a couple of games when they come to here, to London, to to Wembley to play a game one year, one, one time per year. I spoke a lot about that with, with Christian Pulisic because he's a big fan. He knows everything about the American football. He tell me uh, a little bit how is like a strategy, how they play, how they have like a lot of works behind mm -hmm. the each uh, each play so it's good it's good i like it because it's also a mental work it's a mental play yeah so yeah. i like yeah. it i like it in in that way you're gonna make a lot of people happy with that kappa we've got time for a couple of quick fan questions before we let you go this one comes back to penalties and it's from dylan who asks what is your favorite penalty save kappa if i have to say one I, i'm gonna say one of two against Villarreal because it was a title, was a European title and was was uh, after a big effort of the team because it was uh, early in the season, after holidays, not too much to prepare this one because it was a trophy for, for mm, sure. Absolutely. Plenty to choose from and there'll be plenty more as well. And a quick one from Ryan, away from the football. Ryan asks, what is one song or artist that gets you ready for a match? Well, I have to say I'm not a typical player who who listen music before the game. I prefer silence, thinking myself, thinking how it's going to be the game, try to visualize the play. Of course, we have songs, we have uh, music in, in the change room, but uh, I try to be like in myself, 
thinking, my, my things, and be a little bit a part of the music. Maybe I am not the, the most typical player in that, in, in that point. Kepa, I know you're a man in demand. Really appreciate your time, my friend. It's been great catching up with you. Thank you so much. And we can't wish you enough luck for the rest of the season, mate. So thanks again. Thank you to you, guys. Take it easy, bro. Emily, Andre, we've done Netflix pitches. Chelsea mic'd up is on to commercial pitches. I think Kepa might be in on this one. Emily, you're the director. Andre, you're producing. Lee, you can be the voiceover guy. And me, <laughs> I just want to sit there and stand and gawk. We got to get this ready for the Super Bowl <laughs> ads. You know, that's that's the big time. And commercials yeah. really, really get big in the U.S. We got to get it ready by the Super Bowl. So let's go. But he's a cool dude, Lee. Fun dude to talk to. Oh, lovely guy. Really good guy. Really intelligent guy. Very humble guy. Great attitude. I mean, we, we touched on it there. For him to come back into the team seamlessly. The amount of clean sheets he's kept especially at Tottenham's expense is always a good thing isn't it we got to thank you all for joining us we got to thank Keppo we got to thank Carefree LA ah we love it we love the love we're getting from you guys and remember you can find anything and everything on Chelsea through the fifth stand app and don't forget to subscribe rate review and tell a friend to tell a friend to tell their mama about the Chelsea mic'd up podcast because we want blue flags flying high across America Thank you all for joining us again from the gang. We want to say bye. See you all next week. And let's go Blues. Blues.